This is Unfilter, episode 58, for July 10th, 2013. I've watched and waited and tried to, to do my job in the, the most um, policy-driven way uh, I could, which is to, to wait and allow other people, you know, wait and allow our leadership, our figures to sort of uh, correct the excesses of government when we go too far. but. As I've watched, I've seen that it's not occurring. And in fact, we're compounding the excesses of prior governments and making it worse and more invasive. Uh, and, and no one is really standing to stop it. This week's episode of Unfiltered, new leaks give us a better picture of how the NSA vacuums up your internet traffic and leverages their relationship with telecom companies to take what they want. Then, Latin America stands with Edward Snowden as multiple offers of asylum come in. We'll bring you up to date on the hunt for Edward Snowden and then discuss his latest revelations. Plus, on the eve of new talks with China, U.S. has caught in yet another hypocritical scandal. We'll take a look at the explosive situation in Egypt, your feedback, and much, much more on this week's episode of Unfiltered. everybody, welcome again to another edition of Unfilter, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news that you really shouldn't be watching. And also coming to you live from the late breaking news and instant action news center. My name is Chase Innocent. Joining me every week, as always, is the lovely bearded and handsome Chris. What's going on, Chris? Hey, Mr. Chase, I got myself a new aftershave. Uh, ooh, what'd you get? Well, you know, I got to keep trim, so I got to stay, yeah, yeah. I got to stay svelte and smooth. For, for your wife? I, I don't mean, actually you know, I got presentable. I forgot it. It's on Amazon. Oh. But you know, it's always a roll of the dice when you have a pregnant wife. She actually hates the smell. Well, one day she'll hate the smell, and then the next day she'll yeah. love the smell. Well, I'm just, I gotta and then give the next day she'll hate yeah. the smell. Yeah, yeah. So guess what? What? Big show. <laughs> big show today. Uh, <laughs> it's always a big show with you, Chris. <laughs> what? Yeah. Are you saying that I, I have mean, a, a bad habit? I mean, here's the problem with saying it's a big show all the time. Uh, you ever heard of the story though, of the boy who cried wolf, Chris? Uh, no. Not well, familiar with that. Too. Well, well, basically, if you just keep saying it, eventually, you know, people will not believe you anymore. Hmm. You know, what I was going to do is I was going to say at the top of this to, to the show, because we know Edward Snowden listens to the show. Oh, sure. I'm sure. And I was going to be prepared to offer him asylum. Oh, yeah. The Jupiter Broadcasting country. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're flying the flag above, above the studio right, right now. Right. Now, I'm still waiting on all the paperwork, just so you know. Yeah, but make sure you get all that paperwork correct. Make sure there's right. no technicalities right. wrong. Right. Uh, you know, one thing I'm surprised that we didn't have in the uh, supporter show. Oh, yeah? Is uh, and I didn't look through all the the notes. Maybe there's a surprise in the show. Maybe there is. What is it? Well, about this disaster that happened in San Francisco. Oh, the uh, plane crash. Yeah. Well, is this uh, your favorite distraction of the week? Ooh. Yeah. Did I call it? Ooh, no, it's oh. not quite. Well, I, I think it is. I mean, look. I mean, I I, re- I acknowledge people died and were injured. Uh, but um, well, two people died. One of them was ran over by a uh, a rescue uh, vehicle. Yeah. 
You see how you're getting all wrapped up in the details of the story? You see how distracted it's made you? It works. It's not about a distraction. It, what, what, what? No, a good distraction is a legitimate story that has validity to cover, that has interesting aspects to it, that makes a little bit of, that's also got some eye candy to it. That's, that's a 100% great distraction. Well, you know what pisses me off about the distraction? What? is what? All right, so let's say you're on an airliner, and let's say that that airliner has crash-landed. Yeah. And you need to evacuate the right, airplane. Right. Are you going for your carry-on and then jumping down the slide? Do I have my laptop in my carry-on? You need to well, see. That's the problem. I got a right? really nice laptop. See, <laughs> there are some people on that plane that grabbed their carry-ons and went down the slide, and yeah. that's just that put that makes you put your face uh, face palm, and you're just like, why? No, why there do are, people do that. There are stories that I totally acknowledge are relevant, but still don't make it into the show because I don't feel like they affect history. Right, that's true. And that's usually the litmus test for a show. Is like, is this? Is are we documenting something interesting that happened this week? Uh, I got my. Di- you want to hear my distraction of What's the week? What's your distraction of the week? So uh, I was telling you on the pre-show earlier that uh, I have thrown away more recorded material uh, in the last week, and actually last week too, than I ever have in the history of the show. And what I mean by that is, I record a lot of the major news networks' um, audio feeds from satellite radio, and then I cache them on my hard drive and then uh, every you know few hours every night I go through them and pick out the clips that I want to spend more time on for the right. show. Okay. And you know usually every night I'll pour I'll pull four or five six seven things from that stash from the day. Uh, you know, there was times this week where there was multiple days in a row where it was nothing but just junk Zimmerman trial crap, uh, you know, the airplane crash, all these different distractions, but the one that got me the most was Broccoli Gate. That's Wait, why something what? he said to a group of, of young people at the White House caught a lot of people's attention. Major Garrett is there with this new Obama controversy. This did you hear about this? <laughs> no. So uh, everybody's got it. They're playing up. We got. I got a link in the show notes to, to Fox News. They've got uh, articles on this. Yeah, Obama said that broccoli was his favorite food, and it stirred up a controversy. But I think listen to the reporters. I think they're having a go at us. I'm going to start this clip over. Listen to her, Chase, and tell okay. me if they're not like, oh, these silly little. Uh, pedestrians. They think they have scandals. We'll show them a scandal. <laughs> By something he said to a group of young people at the White House caught a lot of people's attention. Major Garrett is there with this new Obama controversy, this stunning revelation. Major, good morning. <laughs> good morning, Nora Gale and Anthony. They're there kind of is laughing. no documentation <laughs> for the story I'm about to tell. It did not happen in front of TV cameras, but we have confirmed that yesterday here, <laughs> President Obama told a student journalist that his favorite food was broccoli. Yes, broccoli. Now, there's some presidential history with broccoli, and most of it's chili, though not for the purposes of preservation or storage. More on that in a minute. Back to the president. He's had so many favorite foods, this new broccoli story is a bit fishy. What? what? So what are they doing this? Why? I know, right? Remember how there's like NSA scandals yeah, and yeah. there's like a manhunt for Edward Snowden? Well, yeah, there's NSA scandals. And there, countries all around the world are angry the at FISA us. There's court. There's all this very important things. I mean, a possible military coup in Egypt, which we'll talk about. Yep. And we're talking about broccoli. broccoli. So, uh, Which my wife, by the way, oh, no, that's celery. Never mind. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. That's almost going to be good input. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> no, I just, I, I've just, I shake my head at this kind of yeah. stuff. It's been, it's been ridiculous. Why don't we talk about Egypt? Let's talk about some real news. Let's not spend any more time on that stuff. So, thank you. Uh, last week when we were uh, on the air, uh, they, the military had just taken over, and um, they was sort of all kind of in the early days of, uh, well, what what you are calling a coup. But uh, Morsi was uh, put into some sort of safe housing. I, I believe that's where he still is at. But now uh, it's looking like 
the Muslim Brotherhood is not going to just stand by and let things happen, and we could be heading towards a civil war situation. Egypt has slipped back into a political crisis this week when the country's military overthrew its democratically elected president. Mass celebrations after Mohamed Morsi's ousting quickly turned into violent clashes between his supporters and opponents. A new interim government is slowly being formed, but people there are deeply uneasy about what's to come, as RT's Paulus Lear reports. Egypt's back in the headlines, but for all the wrong reasons. A week of street battles, mass crowds, a divided country on the brink of civil war. This is the street where the worst violence in Cairo happened. More than 35 people killed, more than 1,000 injured. The mood is extremely tense. And it's actually more uh, than that now. We'll get to that in a sec. Uh, and, you know, the um, the situation there is... So here's so you have the Muslim Brotherhood, who's a minority... Um, and, but their, the president of their party was elected. Now, some people, some people say that there was foul play in that election process. Right. Uh, but what is, seems rather indisputable at this point is that, uh, he led a type of government that the people did not want. Um, okay. you know, he was, he was, he was taking things in a direction that was, it was limiting freedoms and it was something that people didn't want. So when people are calling this a coup, I look at this and I think, this seems like okay. So one of the things you have to keep in mind about uh, Egypt is Egypt's military is a little more uh, isolated. No, no, that's not the right word. Functions a little more independently than say our military does, where uh, Obama is the commander in chief, and uh, you know he's very, very you know he's on top of that power structure, right? In Egypt, they're a little more independent. They've always kind of been more independent. So it's 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 not like there isn't this sort of potential structure for them to side with the people right and i think when you look at it there was something like what 20 million people is that is that was that the number is that a real number 20 million people in the streets is that possible if it is if it is that doesn't sound like a coup a coup is a a a group of people who want to seize power from another group of people who have power but this to me looks like a movement of the people and i think it's been the media that's framing it as a coup I am leaning towards a disagreement here, and the only reason is I like to see uh, deal with facts here. And one thing I like to do is, you know, I'm I'm a big word person. Okay, mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. words and definitions. So I went to the to the the Book of Knowledge, as our, our friends on the No Agendas show like to say. So I went to Wikipedia. Right. right. What's Wikipedia say? Wikipedia it, now actually the full term is called a uh, coup d'état, uh, but actually right, it's right, uh, right. It's, it's usually shortened a coup. Or a overthrow is a sudden disposition of a government, usually by a small group of the existing state establishment, typically the military, to dispose the extent government and replace it with another body, civil or military. A coup is considered successful when the usurpers establish their dominance. Mm -hmm. When the coup neither fails completely nor succeeds, a civil war is likely the consequence. Mm. So. Going by that definition alone, and there's a lot more usage of the phrase and the mm-hmm. history of it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. based upon that, that's a coup. All right, let me let me frame it this way. So Hammy in the chat room says they elected him, they should keep him. Uh, and I think this is sort of the general message. Isn't, the- there a, isn't there a process? Like we just had a, a, a situation locally in a small little town of Pacific where a mayor right. was ousted. See- there's a recall. So why wouldn't there be a legal situation where they would recall so morsi morsi for example people who were uh, on the opposite political party when he came into office uh he outlawed them from running in government for 10 years uh he shut down functions of the government he was invalidating their constitution he was eliminating 
these structures and these processes. And I think, you know, as these people, as these people have watched this happen to them over and over again, they're, they're in a completely different situation than we are. But imagine, yeah. like, imagine if Obama said, uh, you know, he came out on stage and he looked us straight into the camera. He says, hello, everybody, for your protection and for terrorism, you know, we're, it's just going to make things a lot easier if we get rid of the first, second and fourth amendment. And imagine if that was actually starting to happen here in the United States. But you might he, have something get real serious real fast. Right, but if he did that, though, I, I, w- I, would, I would think that, I would hope, <laughs> I would really hope that us as Americans would come together and do something about it without the assistance of the military because there's a lot more of us than there are military people. Yeah. I mean, there are 300 million people in the United States, I think, are, uh, uh, are this is off the top of my head, so I could be wrong. But our military forces are like at 450,000, I want to say, and that's spread across worldwide. So all you need is just to piss off, I don't know, 1% of the American populace here when you say your constitutional rights are being pulled. Oh, wait, that's already happening. Never mind. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, they just do it much slowly. It's, it's right. the boiling pot. But but if, yeah, it's the frog in the, in the yeah. boiling pot thing. Yeah. But if Obama said, yeah, we're pulling these amendments. I think people would react pretty strongly. People would definitely react strongly. And maybe they're a little more tuned, and this is going to sound a little mean, but maybe, you know, they're a little, maybe those, maybe the Egyptian people are a little more tuned into what the hell is actually going on. Maybe they're not I just agree. distracted by toys and I things agree. like that, and maybe they're getting a little more involved in the process, and so therefore things register with them a little stronger, and they get a little more upset. However, though, based on definition, what the military did here in Egypt yeah. is a coup. So here's where that gets dicey. I know, and the reason why is the whole aid and support. Right, thing. exactly. Right. And uh, according to Dickerson, who's uh, CBS's uh, foreign analyst guy, he says that, Right now, all of Obama and uh, the U.S.'s power in uh, remaining in Egypt all lies within that uh, that aid, that the leverage that aid provides. And there are new questions coming out of Washington this morning about how to handle the crisis in Egypt. The country's interim president has announced plans to hold new elections in about six months. But that's doing little to calm the fears the country is descending into chaos. Yesterday was the deadliest day since President Mohamed Morsi was ousted. CBS News political director John Dickerson is with us. John, good morning. morning, You see the White House walking a very fine line on this. You have lawmakers saying we should end uh, this massive aid that we give Egypt. What, what take does the White House make on this? Well, you see yesterday the White House not calling it a coup. But, you know, when you have the military uh, removing them, the democratically elected president, people being beaten in the street, this is not a democracy do-over. Uh, but the White House can't call it a coup because it threatens the military aid. And, and all of the situations the president faces, whether it's in Afghanistan or in Egypt, it's about leverage. And the best leverage they have is this aid to Egypt and the connection that it creates. And using that aid and the threat of removing it to get some kind of a post-coup uh, situation set up where all parties will have representation. The conservative critique is this isn't much leverage at all because if there's never any real threat the aid's going to leave, then it's not really a, a threat. Isn't it true, John, that most of the aid for this year, though, is already on its way there? Well, that's what Senator McCain said. Senator McCain, who said we need to withhold this aid, he said, well, most of it's already in the pipeline. And so as leverage goes, this leverage, a lot of it's out the door, but uh, it's the best they've got. So as far as leverage goes, we really don't got any because we've already uh, committed to a lot of it. Uh, so I, I thought this was interesting. I, I, I went and found this article, uh, and it kind of it kind of summarizes what we do with all this aid. So uh, the U.S. gives Egypt $1.5 billion a year in yeah, aid. So a I, lot. That's not bad, right? Between uh, 1984, or I'm sorry, 1948 and 2011, the United States has given Egypt about $71.6 billion in buy 
multilateral military and economic aid. That's more than we've given to any other country over that time frame, save for Israel. Uh, a recent report from the uh, Congressional Research Service lays out details. The biggest chunk of mil- is military aid of all of the money, averaging about $1.3 billion a year since 1987. With much of that military be with much of that actually being military equipment, so it's you know for the value of the equipment. Right. Uh, for instance, Egypt plans to acquire 1,200 M1A1 Abrams battle tanks from the United States. Also, they're going to get some. Uh, they're going to get 20 F-16 jet fighters. Hey oh, uh, and they're actually getting assembled over in Egypt too. So we don't even uh, we don't even get the labor work for that. We're actually building them there as well. They also are getting money for border security. And uh, Egypt also has a few special financing provisions that other countries don't uh, enjoy, according to this Congressional Research Service. Uh, including, and this includes the ability to deposit funds at an interest-bearing account at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. The nation also gets to engage in cash flow financing to pay for military equipment and special provisions not available to most recipients. And this allows Egypt to negotiate bigger arms purchases. Uh, the Obama administration has insisted that if aid to Egypt were cut off... It would cause much broader problems. Get this, Chase. Are you ready for this? Mm. This is this is this is bad. A holdup in aid. This is um, from a an Obama. Um, uh, oh, yeah, John Kerry. I was going to say Obama official, but no, it's John Kerry. Well, same thing, right? Uh, he says a holdup in aid might contribute more to chaos, and it might and chaos might ensue because it would cause their economy to collapse. Uh, he says the biggest problem they're facing right now is a collapsing economy. And, and also Saudi Arabia and other countries around them are also contributing money. We are propping up their economy. So we're propping them up at the same time that our country is in billions of dollars in debt yeah, that we're it. undergoing sequester. sequester right. Where we just – I just heard on the local news – uh, that civilian contractors that work in the military base here at Joint, Joint Base Lewis-McChord, they are not going to be going to work for the next 12 Fridays. Yeah. They're yeah. not going to be getting paid for that. Yeah. All at the same time, you have this. Yeah, I know. Isn't this really something? I mean, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, I understand why. But gosh, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, part- and how many how many other economies around the world are we propping up? Well, exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. but this this is not just us though. We've seen this happen in Europe. Where you have countries propping up other countries in the European Union because of similar financial right, issues, right? This is not a you know this is not one of those situations where this is different. Uh, and and you know we've been coming up with really good excuses. This article I linked to kind of covers some of them. You know we've been giving them aid since 1948, but we've been really cooking the excuses since about the 70s. Um, and we just have like each administration has a whole a whole like they they go through this article they show like well this administration claimed for this reason this administration claimed it was this reason and every time we got a great reason every time to give them billions of dollars <laughs> seventy one billion almost seventy two billion and what's great is the supposed leverage we have most of it's already in the quote unquote pipeline to them oh up too late can't pull it back yeah can't can't stop it so now Chris McCain's up there saying yeah we should pull that back but we can't. But we should totally do that. If we would have thought about this earlier when we saw this, uh, we could have totally done it. And some people are speculating that uh, some uh, other big countries might be behind some of this stuff. 
Yeah, but you know what, though? Thank God we have the NSA tapping program right. because this way <laughs> we can really get more of this information and have a much more clearer picture about what's oh, going on. Chase. Come oh, Jace. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> why don't uh, why don't we get into some of that? This is a lot, of, a lot more of the show now. There were some more leaks that came out over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, some big news for Edward Snowden's coming up. And all of this uh, is uh, right as more negotiations and talks are going on with China. Yeah. A lot of things are going down uh, this week. It's been pretty interesting. So let's take a little moment right here. We'll hit pause and thank our supporters for this week's episode. Uh, so here's how this works. Every week uh, Break we – it down, Chris, because I, I have no idea. Are you new, Chase? This... Are you new? I, I'm, here's how it works. This is my first show. Break it, break it. I, I've never listened to this show before. Well, I'm, I'm acting as a new listener. Okay. All right. And you know one thing I noticed, Chris, yeah. and you know, first turning on the show, yeah. I didn't hear a pre roll. No. I didn't hear an ad. This episode's brought to you by I didn't Bar- hear any of it. No, so uh we- How's this work? We believe here at the Unfiltered Show, Chase, this type of show, all types of shows really that are really news-focused really do not function well if they have that traditional type of advertiser model. It's just fundamental to the way that that system works. We've gone into some explanations in previous shows, and maybe at some point we should spend more time on that. But right. I think it's one of these things where if you understand the value of a show that is only responsible to the people who support the show – then you kind of get it already, so I don't have to explain it to you. And I think that's kind of who we're targeting. Right. Um, and so that's the way we do this, is we're, we're looking to get to 333 monthly supporters, and that will finance one day of production of the Unfiltered Show. So right now, we're in the red, uh, but we're getting closer and closer every single week. This week, we reached 128 monthly supporters. 128 monthly supporters of... Uh, I like that number. 128. I know, which is you know a good amount of RAM Invisible back in the by day. 32 and 64. I had that's a, why I like that number. I had 128K Macintosh. You had a Mac 128K? I did. I that did. That is awesome. I was, it, I was a baller. Well, actually, it was a hand-me-down. You're but a baller. You know what I'm talking about. My mom was a graphic artist, so she needed the 128K. Ima- did you have an image writer? Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 She had to, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> a couple of perks for you supporters. Uh, you get uh, not only do you keep us on what the air get, and keep Chris? us going, but after every single show, you get a newsletter with a little behind-the-scenes information about this what? week's episode and Chase. You're giving that away? And you get a massive monster supporter show that includes our pre-show and our post-show as well as the main show all Shut in one up. big, huge, like two-hour MP3 file. What? So if you want more on Filter Show with more information, what? more clips, and stuff that often provides context to the stuff we cover in the show, you'll find that in the supporter <sighs> show. So go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com. Wow. Click on any episode of Unfilter and then hit that $5 a month supporter button. There's also one there for Bitcoin. If you sign up for Bitcoin, you just got to send me your transaction ID and the email address you want to be signed up for on the newsletter so that way I can connect the dots. I want to thank the people who did subscribe this week. So do I. Christopher B. Kent K. Mm -hmm. Stephen M. Stephen H. Victor, with no last name. No last name for Victor. Victor doesn't have a last name. Mark G., Travis D., and Julius S. Maybe it's like Prince. All now in the Unfiltered Supporters Club. So thank you guys. Be sure to check nice your inbox club. if you uh, missed the supporter show because there's lots of good stuff in there. And I thought this kind of drives home the point, actually, of why the current system doesn't work. In in the show notes, I have linked a uh, infograph that shows you why the news coverage of, say, the situation in Egypt actually sucks so bad. It's just it's simple math. It comes down to good old-fashioned corporate consolidation. That's right. You can boil down... All of the major news outlets to six companies, six media giants now control 90% of what we read, watch, or listen to. I'm talking newspapers, TV, or radio. It's not even a conspiracy. Yep. Yep. So if you uh, if you find yourself uh, talking to somebody and they're like, yeah, I don't understand why the media sucks so bad. They don't really seem to be talking about anything that matters. Send them this link. 
this in one very easy to read infograph explains why our media coverage is so bad. These people are answering answering to their advertisers. They're not answering to their viewers. And as they as they sort of conglomerate like this, you know, you guys know how bureaucracy works. You know, this just gets worse and I'm, worse. I'm and worse. getting balanced information, Chris. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm getting unbiased. I mean, these companies would have no no uh you know ill bias they would want they just want to give us the plain jane simple information right chris I right mean, and also some goal. sleeping pills and some <laughs> sleeping pills if you if you would like those out here and now this ad <laughs> so uh thanks everybody for, absolutely to all of our 120 unfiltered supporters and thank you to those of you who decide to sign up this week when you sign up the following episode you'll get the newsletter and then you also in that newsletter you get uh links to the current supporter show as well as the past supporters show. Well, here's the great thing, though. Thanks to the awful biased media on both sides, we're able to do a show I know, like right? this. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to say thanks to ABC, NBC, yeah. Fox, CNN, yeah. uh, Al Jazeera, RT, all you guys. And if I didn't mention you, I'm sorry. Yeah. But thank you for providing Don't your worry. great content you're, for this show. Your day is coming too. But Chase, with that all done, it is now time to play as the Jabber. We're going to ask you a great question, Chris. And guess what? If they get it right, they get accolades. They're going to be told all around the world. So, Chris, what is this week's question? Okay, Mr. Chase. This one's a hard one. Are you ready? Buckle up, oh, ladies boy. and gentlemen. I'm getting in there. This one is a return back to the classic Ask the Chat Room. Okay. Chat Room, which three-letter agency of the United States government got in trouble again this week? Oh, my God, Chris. I can't believe <laughs> you went back there one more time. I did, right. Chase. I did So, uh, the question from Chris is, what three-letter agency <gasps> is in trouble again? That's the Coke. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Let's go ahead and pull that lever. What do we uh, got? C-Tag is saying NSA. What? How did he possibly guess, Chase? Did he get that right? He, did um, he get it right? Did he get it right? Let's find out. Judges? Judges. He got it right! He oh. got it right, they Chase! Had to, whoa, the judges are a little bit heavy on that button there. But yes, they are... He's right. Well, yeah. All right. So there you go. Uh, It was the NSA. And uh, thanks to uh, Mr. Edward Snowden, the NSA's uh, dirty business got leaked out again, including another slide. Wait. Wait, another PowerPoint slide? Another PowerPoint slide. All right. Uh, This classified slide uh, that that was, uh, by the way, released and obtained by the Washington Post was published for the first time this weekend. One is PRISM, the NSA program that collects information from technology companies. This covers this graphic, shows a little bit about this. Uh, We first heard about this a while ago, right? Right. Now, the other part, it combines PRISM, and then it combines something that it says direct access to provider servers. And then it says you can use both these kind of so they have this they have these different. You should be using both, right? You see that yeah, there where it yeah. says that, yeah. Like by the way, two great sources of weight of information. Um, and I think what this you really got to kind of look at. So you see in the drawing what they're kind of demonstrating there is they're tapping um, the ins and out points of the. Yeah. So if you look on the left and right hand side, if you're watching the enhanced feed, uh, I'll try to zoom in on it. You could see uh, magnify and enhance. Magnify and enhance. On both coasts of the United States, more on the right, uh, on the East Coast than on the West Coast, but you see these red swoops with uh, blue circles pointing to upstream. So basically, we are collecting data on those fiber cables as the data comes in and out of the U.S., essentially. Right, right, yep. That's yep. what's going on here. Yep. And uh, so and if there's, it's, it's impossible for there not to be just domestic traffic that gets – It's everything. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a big, big, uh, big 
blanket cup. And I mean, uh, and you should use both. Uh, I mean, you should use both. You should know. By the way, I would say this. You know, if we're playing billion, paying billions of dollars, you would think they would come up with a better looking slide. This These looks like this was put together by like an intern. You know what's interesting? There's this multiple looks- versions of these slides. So there's some versions of this like similar slides that show slightly different things. This- could be different ver- iterations of it. You know, sometimes people make... Well, remember, this is top secret. Multiple PowerPoints. Orcorn, Noorforn, and then they use an old Hotmail logo. It's like they went into Google, and that old Apple logo, which is the, the blue the logo, one. Yeah. they don't even use that logo I anymore. Know. I know. I, have you heard of paltalk.com? I've never heard yeah, of that. Not until this, but yeah. Yeah, geez. What uh, about Orcut? I mean, why isn't that on? <laughs> now, the... Uh, the other kind of fallouts that have come out this week, so Snowden's, Snowden's revelations are kind of trickling out from The Guardian, uh, but I wanted to, uh, before we get into kind of his stuff, I want to cover some of the ancillary effects that the the rest of the world is kind of reeling from us, starting with Brazil. Brazil has announced a probe of U.S. spying efforts inside its borders. A report based on documents provided by Edward Snowden says the National Security Agency has tapped into Brazil's telecommunication network and indiscriminately intercepted, collected, and stored the email and telephone records of millions of Brazilians for years. The Brazilian government will look into whether local firms cooperated with the United States. Brazilian President Dilma Rousseff said if confirmed, the NSA operation would be a violation of national sovereignty. I, I agree with. And yeah. Yeah, remember, Ecuador had that bug in their embassy? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so they, they... Did they end up showing that off? They did a little bit. They said it had a GSM card oh. integrated into it. Wow. And that they tracked the operator of that GSM card, this is according to them, back to a private security firm that does, like, essentially intelligence work in the UK. Oh, jeez. So, like... They tracked it back to them, of course. Now, they're denying it wholly. They're saying they, they, they wholly deny it. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. But they Possible cl- deniability. Yeah, so Ecuador is asking for help in that investigation, but I thought that was interesting. Um, and remember last week, we talked about how upset Germany was in particular with the revelations of spying, that they were, they were listed in a category that was like not quite friendly, like least friendly. Oh, that's right. Well, yeah. one, of the, uh, one of the things that came out this past weekend was that Germany knew all along what was up. Fugitive whistleblower Edward Snowden has struck again, this time claiming that the NSA is in bed with Germany, as well as with a number of other countries. When it comes to global surveillance, uh, the former CIA employee says that the partnership is set up in such a way that it can protect top-level politicians from any backlash if details of their collaboration do become public. Now, the revelations certainly undermine Berlin's recent furious comments about the extent of America's spy uh, operation, with Chancellor Merkel uh, accusing the United States of Cold War tactics. Uh, Snowden's previous revelations involved extensive spying programs run by France as well as Britain. Meanwhile, journalist Manuel Oxenreiter says that German politicians are furious, but about being exposed, not by being spied on. So this, uh, this is interesting. This, I don't know if you caught it, what she said there, but she said it really super, super briefly that uh, politicians were preparing in case this F- information ever came out what they would do. And it struck me. Um, so remember two weeks ago I talked about that book called The Shadow Factory that yeah. sort of was the history of the NSA? Well, uh, one of the things that is interesting in this whole NSA spying program is when Hayden came into office to run the NSA – Supposedly, and this is right before 9-11 happened, supposedly he has this major uh, crisis of conscience and he shuts down the entire spying program and doesn't tell anybody. Supposedly he does all of this and then the 9-11 hijackers end up entering into into the U.S. and of course they don't have any eyes on him. 
one of the things that this book reveals, and I think I've, I just I just hooked this up, so I don't know if I'm in the right spot in my book, but they also talk about back then that all of the officials started to prepare for lawsuits. So I'll hit play. Let's see if this ta- part talks about it. Hayden's decision was based on his concern that the NSA would once again be caught illegally targeting American citizens, as happened in the mid-1970s. Back then, many senior officials were read their Miranda rights by FBI agents and came close to being prosecuted. Hayden was also concerned about his agency's growing image as America's secret and powerful boogeyman. The best way to avoid both outcomes, he believed, was to keep his agency's operations as far away from U.S. territory as possible. If a terrorist in the U.S. was communicating with his masters in a foreign country, Hayden reasoned, that was the FBI's responsibility, not his. So you kind of hear. The problem was that Hayden. Well, I'll, I'll play this part. This part's part actually probably important. The problem was that Hayden did not coordinate coverage with the Bureau either, leaving them largely in the dark and the international circuits to and from the U.S. largely unmonitored. All right. So there you go. So last time that they were doing this spying stuff, they actually read people that were involved with it, their Miranda rights, like got them ready for S to go down. Wow. So I don't doubt even for a minute that the, yeah. that the U.S. was working with German uh, uh, politicians and getting them ready for this kind of thing to be revealed. That, that actually sounds completely legitimate to me. Um, and uh, I, this clip uh, goes in a little bit more detail. The former intelligence analyst who exposed U.S. government surveillance programs says other countries benefit from the information, too. Edward Snowden says the National Security Agency shares its intelligence with spy agencies in Europe. Snowden made the claims in an interview with the German magazine Der Spiegel. The magazine's reporters interviewed him in May before he disclosed the surveillance programs. They used coded emails to communicate. Did you hear that? Did you catch that? Coded emails to communicate? Der Spiegel was talking to Snowden in May about this. Oh, Before yeah. he ever revealed So he was, he was, I'm going to play that back. Let's play that back and see if I get this right. It's intelligence with spy agencies in Europe. Snowden made the claims in an interview with the German magazine Der Spiegel. The magazine's reporters interviewed him in May before he disclosed the surveillance programs. They- so, so he talked to Der, Der Spiegel, Spiegel before The Guardian. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. And it, so I wonder who else he talked to and, and why they sat on it for so well, long. Wait, didn't we first say here on the show that he also tried to talk to The New York Times and they said, no, go yes, away? Yes, right. So obviously he did probably talk to other agencies before. I guess so. Or other uh, yeah. publications. Had used to. coded emails to communicate. Snowden says U.S. intelligence officers helped German agents analyze data that passes through Germany. He says U.S. and German agents have also discussed how to protect politicians in the event the surveillance program's existence was revealed. There you go. And uh, that 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 clicks with with past behavior, with right? Me. So I I buy that leak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now that leak in particular has been called into question by the mainstream media the most. So what, the attention they have given it this week, it has been CNN devoted um, an incredible amount of time to trying to knock that down. Um, I I and I don't know if I don't know if their if their concerns with it were legitimate. Um, here, I'll play just a little bit of that clip. Where in the world? is Edward Snowden. Where well, that parlor where? game kept the attention of news outlets this week as several nations considered Snowden's request for asylum, including Venezuela, Nicaragua, and now Bolivia. Britain's Guardian newspaper broke the original Snowden story, but things took an odd turn this past week when its sister paper, The Observer, ran a front-page story that claimed European official has, officials had reached a secret deal with the NSA 
to turn over private data to the USA. Now, that sure sounds scandalous, but here's the thing. The article based its claims on a single, very unreliable source, a notorious conspiracy theorist named Wayne Madsen, whom reporter Jamie Doward never even spoke with. And not surprisingly, the article was eventually retracted, but not before it made the rounds on the Internet, even receiving a coveted Drudge Report link. So what does it say that a newspaper as reputable as The Observer would base its so-called scoop on such a shaky source? Joining me from Los Angeles, Michael. Ah, we don't need to hear the whole analysis from the <laughs> panel. But you see how they're, they're – so the so CNN is definitely crapping on this story, saying, that, oh, there's no way the Germans worked with it. And they actually that, that clip goes on for another six minutes, and they wow. just kind of debunk that. Jeez. I, but I thought uh, out of all of the revelations this week, the biggest was what we learned about uh, Supreme Court Justice Roberts and how he is the guy behind the FISA court. What really? We this weekend, thanks to extraordinary new reporting, is that one section of our court system has been operating in a completely different way. It's the court that decides how much of the federal government is allowed to spy on us. So an important court, the spying court, and it meets in complete secret. This one court that meets in secret has been reinterpreting the laws passed by Congress in a way that gives the government vastly more power to spy on the American people than it had before, than we thought we were giving it when we passed the laws. Today, the Wall Street Journal reported that this court's decision to redefine a single word in the Patriot Act, the word relevant, relevant, is the thing that changed the decision that allowed the government to essentially begin collecting whatever information they wanted on our communications in bulk, just hoovering it up. When Congress passed the Patriot Act, do you remember that? It allowed the government to compel businesses to demand they hand over records and information as long as it could show that those records were, quote, relevant to an authorized investigation. Relevancy was a key. It had to be part of the investigation. So the only way the government could get those kinds of personal records was to go to court and prove they needed them. Prove they needed them because they related to the case that they were working on. That is what Congress wrote into the law, what the American people thought got signed with all those little pens. This court, however, this spying court decided in secret that the word relevant didn't mean like relevant to the thing they were doing. It just meant kind of everything. It, Congress didn't mean relevant in the way we normally understand it. They just meant, sure, collect whatever information you want because it could become relevant someday. They redefined a word in a law passed by Congress and thereby authorized the federal government to just hoover up phone records indiscriminately. And we didn't know about that until now. And look, it would be one thing if this were a normal court, if this were John Roberts and Antonin Scalina and Elena Kagan and Clarence Thomas and all the other, the, all the rest of the gang remaking these laws in public where we can hear what they're saying or read their opinions. And then Congress, after hearing from voters, could react legislatively to the rulings, could say, yeah, that is what we meant by relevant or no, it's not. This is what we meant by relevant. But that's not how it's happening. This is happening in secret. Laws passed by Congress are being rewritten by the secret court without any sort of public comment or public review. Over the weekend, the New York Times reported on more than a dozen, a dozen classified rulings from this court that have created essentially a secret body of law totally removed from public scrutiny. The Times says that this court, quote, has quietly become almost a parallel Supreme Court. So you have uh, Justice Roberts who uh, appoints the uh, people to the FISA court. And um, this sort of is going to be the Bush administration legacy, isn't it? Is this parallel court government that was created? So the ultimate question is, well, there's two big questions here. How do you stop it? 
and can you stop it? I think so. Uh, you know, there's there's there that work is the uh, the uh, who was it? The ACLU. Just, was the, I can't remember if it was the ACLU or if it was. Uh, there, there are that the, you know people are, are beginning to challenge all of this through the legal system now that they know about it, uh, and it, it to me it just seems so crazy that one person. I mean, so it's funny because it really shows you the the real power in the presidency is assigning these justices, right? Yeah, because yeah, that's true. You know, you get this guy on the court, and then you get out of office, and then he continues his sentence forever, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, just continues. You know, you you make you make the right pick, and you get what you get, right? Um. So yeah, there you go. So thanks, uh, Justice Roberts, and wow. uh, they uh, somebody did an analysis of all his past decisions, and essentially every every time he, it's been some he, somebody versus the man, he always sides on the yeah. side of the man every See, time. So what the problem here is? There's so much noise out there, and so much distraction, and so much reality TV, and so many things that are in this world that are not really important, and a lot of people just you know they don't know about this. Mm-hmm. I bet if you go down. Uh, to the street and you know maybe be completely random you know we might want to do this for a special that unfilter, would be, unfilter yeah, on the street right. episode where we just go and ask a tw- uh, 50 random people and ask them do you know what the fisa court is right i know that would be a failure it would be an ultimate failure yeah because most people but do you think it takes just, those people to have i don't see i think that's i sort think of, it takes normal people to so. be affected to make to, to, it just to takes it just takes sometimes. the right groups of people challenging the right things in the legal system in but some it, cases and it, when it comes to some things like this that might it doesn't necessarily take uh you know all the people in the street it just takes the right people it, it, well it kind of does it it needs you need people to stop being distracted yeah. and uh, and and really know what the hell's important. Well, um, we're going to get to some opinion polls that came out this last week about yeah. Snowden. That might make you feel a little better. Yeah. Uh, but before we go, uh, before we jump into the Snowden stuff, I want to talk a little bit about Greenwald. I, I, I when I was sifting through the Fox stuff, which has really just been all about the Zimmerman trial, and 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 yeah, uh, I just I've really been not getting a lot of great stuff out of Fox these last couple of weeks. But I try to get you know clips from all the different sources. Sort of, we do meta coverage. Fair and balanced, right? Well, something like that. <laughs> uh, but this was a little side conversation they were having on one of their panel shows that wasn't really the point of the of the of the discussion or anything like that. But it really kind of says a lot, and I want to play it for you. It's about Greenwald. I also don't think that the government should deciding who's a journalist, because whether you work for the New York Times, Meet the Press, or you're a blogger, or you're an activist on Twitter, you are a journalist that's pushing these issues. The government shouldn't be involved. I'll tell you what's really happening here, though, is the approved journalists, the media in Washington who have been getting all these leaks are really upset that Glenn is coming into the forefront and he's an unapproved journalist. So the the issue is with the upsetting of the apple cart within the media world. That's what's that's Judy, the problem. I know you're smiling and laughing. you got the kind of incestuous uh, internal relationship in Washington with everyone going to the Georgetown cocktail parties and then Yeah, and, and Glenn Greenwald is not part of that club. But I have to point out this is more than a semantic debate because we're trying to enact a federal shield law to protect sources of journalists. How you define journalists is going to be very important. 
So two things to that clip. Right. One, remember we talked last week, we thought, we speculated that part of Greenwald's problem was the press just didn't like him yeah. because they like the Barbara Starr leak approach where she's sitting in the office of the Pentagon and they say, you can release this information. And yeah, it's a it. controlled leak. Right. And right. so that, I think, kind of confirms that conversation we had last week. But the second thing she says there at the end, which is extremely important, is that journalism shield law that came up after the AP scandal, that that specifically has provisions that only apply to journalists. And if you're not defined as a journalist, those protections don't apply to you. And so it is, as we go through this conversation about the Snowden leaks and Greenwald's role, right? Yeah, it's really important to pay attention to wh- what people call him. If they, if they call him a blogger, if they call him an activist, or if they call him a journalist, because, uh, what that distinction matter that distinction is really going to matter in the future and i I hate i hate that but i believe that's the reality we're moving to that's true it's craziness chase yep it's craziness all right so everybody's been talking about snowden everything snowden snowden this snowden that well uh the big news out of snowden was it turns out the guardian bunch of tricky 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 bastards did you hear what they did no they were sitting on a second snowden interview this whole time oh yes 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 and it's funny because in this interview snowden basically is like straight up he's like yeah they're gonna say i did this they're gonna say espionage they're gonna say this um and i've seen a lot of outlets that have played uh 30 seconds of the interview 20 seconds or or multiple seconds in in sort of bunches i just figured the interview is not that long Let's just play the whole Snowden piece. That way we can all hear is as they've put it out, and then we'll have a little discussion around it. And I think it gives you some more insights into his motivations, too. So uh, take a listen. Have you given thought to what it is that the U.S. government... And this is Greenwald, and this was back in Hong Kong, back when they were in that hotel room. That Just like the same scene we've seen, literally that, that original interview was just cut into two parts. So this is, he's got the film, uh, the film gal who's uh, shooting it, and Greenwald's in the room asking the questions, and Snowden's answering. response to your conduct is in terms of what they might say about you, how they might try to depict you? I think the government's going to uh, to launch an investigation. I, I think they're going to say, I've committed grave crimes. I've you know violated the Espionage Act. Uh, they're going to say, you know, I've, I've uh, aided our enemies in, um, in making them aware of these systems. But that that argument can be made against anybody who uh, who reveals information uh, that that points out mass surveillance systems, uh, because fundamentally they apply equally to ourselves as they do to our enemies. When you decided to enter this world, did you do so with the intention of weaseling your way in and becoming a mole so that you could one day undermine it with disclosures or or what was your perspective and mindset about it at the time that you first sort of got into this this whole this whole realm no i i joined the intelligence community when i was very young uh sort of the uh the government as a whole i enlisted in the army uh shortly after the invasion of iraq uh, and i believed in the goodness of what we were doing i believed in the nobility of our intentions to free oppressed people uh, overseas, but over time, over the length of my career, uh, as I watched the news and I increasingly was exposed to true information that had not been propagandized in the media, uh, that we were actually involved in misleading the public and misleading all publics, not just the American uh, public, in order to create a certain mindset in the, the global consciousness. And I was actually a victim of that. Um, America is a fundamentally good country. We have good people with good values who want to do the right thing. But the structures of power that exist 
are working to their own ends to extend their capability at the expense of the freedom of all publics. Can you talk about what you think some of the most important primary documents are and what they reveal? Um, the, the, the primary disclosures are the fact that uh, the NSA doesn't limit itself to foreign intelligence. It, it collects all communications that transit the United States. Uh, there are literally no um, ingress or egress points anywhere in the continental United States uh, where a communication there enter or exit without being monitored and collected and analyzed. Um, the Verizon document uh, speaks highly to this because it, it literally lays out they're using an authority that was intended to be used to seek warrants against individuals, and they're applying it to the whole of society by basically subverting a corporate partnership uh, through major telecommunications providers, and they're getting everyone's calls, everyone's call records, um, and everyone's internet traffic as well. Uh, on top of that, you've got Boundless Informant, which is uh, sort of a, a global, um, global auditing system for the NSA's intercept and collection system that lets us track how much, uh, how much we're collecting, where we're collecting, uh, by which authorities, and so forth. Um, the NSA lied about the existence of this tool uh, to Congress uh, and to specific congressmen uh, in response to um, previous inquiries about their surveillance activities. Beyond that, we've got PRISM, uh, which is a demonstration of how the U.S. government co-opts uh, U.S. corporate power to its own ends. Uh, companies like Google, Facebook, uh, Apple, Microsoft, uh, they all get together with the NSA and provide the NSA direct access to the back ends of all of the systems you use to communicate, to store data, to put things in the cloud, um, and, and even just to, to send birthday wishes and keep a record of your life. Uh, and they give NSA direct access that, that they don't need to oversee so they can't be held liable for it. Um, I, I think that's a dangerous capability for anybody to have, but particularly an organization that's demonstrated time and time again that they'll work to shield themselves from oversight. Was there a specific point in time that you can point to when you cross the line from contemplation to decision-making and commitment to do this? I grew up with the understanding that the world I lived in was one where uh, people enjoyed a sort of freedom to communicate with an, uh, each other in privacy without it being monitored, without it being measured or analyzed or, or, or sort of judged by these, these shadowy figures or systems uh, anytime they, they mention anything uh, that travels across public lines. Uh, I think a lot of people of my generation, anybody who grew up with the internet, that was their understanding. As we've seen the internet and uh, government's relation to the internet evolve over time, we've seen that sort of open uh, debate, that free market of ideas, sort of lose its domain and be shrunk. But what is it about that set of developments that makes them sufficiently menacing or threatening to you that you are willing to risk what you've risked in order to fight them? I don't want to live in a world where everything that I say, everything I do, everyone I talk to, every expression of, 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 of creativity or, or love or friendship is recorded. And, and that's not 
that's not something I'm willing to support. It's not something I'm willing to build, and it's not something I'm willing to live under. Uh, so I, I think anyone who opposes that sort of world has an obligation to act in the way they can. Now, I've watched and waited and tried to, to do my job in the, the most um, policy-driven way uh, I could, which is to, to wait and allow other people, you know, wait and allow our leadership, our figures to sort of uh, correct the excesses of government when we go too far. But as I've watched, I've seen that's not occurring. And in fact, we're compounding the excesses of prior governments and making it worse and more invasive. Uh, and, and no one is really standing to stop it. There you go. That's it. What, what I would like to know, Chris. Mm-hmm. We saw this. We played this without interruption, without any commercial break, or brought to you by, or anything like that. Oh, that's that uh, clip was brought. No, go ahead. No. But at the same time, most of America, I believe, probably has not seen that. That's why I wanted to run the whole. And thing, if yeah. and if they see it or hear it, you know, maybe they would actually become a little bit more informed and know what the hell's going on out there. So I have a prediction. I think, uh, based on, you know, when they asked him, uh, what uh, do you think the documents are the most revealing, he stated documents we've seen now at this point. And so I bet we've seen all of the cards, the most important cards that Mr. Snowden is holding. Right. I think he's played them, um, which is kind of a little depressing in a sense, because it, it doesn't seem like it's been enough to, to make a difference, to make a change. And I don't know what would have made a change, but... I, and I was also kind of hoping he had some sort of golden nugget that he could use as leverage to to keep people off of his back. But um, my bet is now that he's actually exposed everything there is to expose. And now it's just a matter of where the hell is he going to go? Well, I mean, the rumor is at this point that he's going to try to become checked baggage and head to Venezuela. That is the word. NSA leaker Edward Snowden will likely accept asylum in Venezuela. That is according to Glenn Greenwald, the journalist who interviewed Snowden and first published the NSA leaks. Snowden is still believed to be at the Moscow airport this morning. Now, uh, that's not totally confirmed. Like Snowden, so they've offered it to Snowden. He hasn't necessarily um, accepted it. In fact, um, uh, sort of Latin America is saying, we're going to rebrand ourselves to the humanitarian zone. In this latest article, based on Edward Snowden's disclosures, the journalist Glenn Greenwald reports today that NSA spying has extended to all of Latin America. After Brazil, Colombia appears to be the second biggest target of NSA surveillance. One NSA document suggests the surveillance covers issues of trade and economics. A priority for Venezuela was listed as oil, while energy was assigned to operations in Mexico. Keep that in mind, people. We're going to come back to that. Snowden's believed to remain at an airport in Moscow. On Monday, Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro confirmed he's received Snowden's official asylum request. Maduro said asylum offers from his government, as well as from Bolivia and Nicaragua, show that large parts of Latin America are becoming a humanitarian corridor. We received an application letter for asylum from Snowden. He will need to decide when to fly here, if he definitely wants to fly here. The fact is that Latin America is humanitarian territory, and it's growing every day. On Monday, thousands of people rallied outside the U.S. Embassy in Bolivia to protest last week's forced landing of a plane carrying Bolivian President Evo Morales. 
The plane was rerouted to Austria after France and Portugal barred it from their airspace over false suspicions Snowden was on board. The Bolivian government has asked the European countries involved to reveal the source of the false information. The dispute comes just as the U.S. and European Union have opened talks in Washington on creating the world's largest free trade zone. The negotiations were briefly thrown into doubt last week after it emerged the U.S. has been spying on European Union offices and member countries' embassies. We'll have more on NSA spying with a newly released interview with Edward Snowden after headlines, and then we'll— I thought Amy did a good job of uh, tying up some threads that we covered last week there. That yeah. was nice of her. Now, yeah, so uh, Venezuela, of course, uh, Senator Menendez says that uh, maybe uh, we need to get tough on anyone with sanctions that harbors Snowden. Senator, oh. let me ask you about another national secu security concern. That is NSA leaker Edward Snowden, who is still stuck at a, a hotel in this transit zone in, a Russia, in, in Russia's airport in uh, Moscow. He's been offered asylum now by Venezuela. There are other countries in Latin America including Bolivia and Nicaragua, also offering him asylum. Chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, what are the repercussions? What should the repercussions be for those countries if they grant him asylum? Well, clearly, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's very clear that any of these countries that accept Snowden, offer him political asylum, uh, is taking a, a step against the United States. It's making a very clear statement. I'm not surprised by the countries that are offering him uh, asylum. Uh, they like uh, sticking it to the United States. I think, you know, you have to look, you know, whether uh, you look at uh, trade uh, preferences uh, that, that may exist with these countries, uh, other uh, elements uh, of of our policy, our aid, our trade, you have to look at it and, and decide, in fact, uh, if any of these countries actually accept Snowden and he gets there, uh, then you're going to have to decide how you react. But clearly, uh, any such acceptance of Snowden to any country, any of these three or any other, uh, is uh, going to put them directly against the United States, and they need to know that. Ooh, very oh. scary. Hey, I wonder if the conversation, I wonder if Menendez was brought into a, a cold room and uh, said, hey, Menendez, come in here. Listen. We need to talk to you. You get out there and uh, you take care of uh, rattling the cage over the Snowden thing, and we'll take care of that prostitution problem you got. You. Hey, hey, you know how you've been flying to countries and sleeping with underage prostitutes? Oh, God. We'll, we'll get that taken care of. We'll get that taken care of if you go out there and be our front guy for this. That's going to uh, I mean, I seriously, I think that's what's going on, uh, because he has his own little uh, scandal he's supposed to be involved in. Um so you know what the big the big trick is, and I'm wondering if maybe we should do a live calls episode next week, Chase. So I'm putting the word out there, folks. If you would like to call into the Unfiltered Show, you now should we, have a poll. You should have a simple poll set up. Well, I'm, well I just say we just do it. We'll we'll just oh, have okay. the Skype line All open. Right. You'll you'll be man in the Skype next week. All right. Here's my here's my thought. So next week, call us in, you guys. One four two five three one two one seven fifty six or Skype Unfiltered Show during next week's episode. We're giving you a week's heads up so you can show up live and call us in. Um, we've gotten a lot of voicemails. We haven't got a chance to play them, so might as well just engage with you guys directly. But I wonder if we won't see Snowden make his run because he's got to get moving. He's got to get out of that airport, and these places that are offering him asylum are putting deadlines on here. Uh, um, Venezuela is, is supposedly already expired, but they're, apparently they're still extending it because the real trick here is if he does accept that Venezuela offer of asylum, he's got to figure out how to get from Moscow to Venezuela and after we had the Bolivian president that got his plane um, grounded in Austria, uh, I mean, you got to figure they figure he's going to have to avoid flying over any countries that might be friendly to the United States. That's and true. there's not a lot of paths he can take. In fact, I got this uh, this great article from the Washington Post uh, 
their author, their author over there, Max Fisher, great last name, did this awesome write up where he uh, covers all of the different p- potential map uh, trajectories that uh, Snowden's flight could take. And uh, if you look at these chests, one of them is like over the Pacific Ocean here, uh, 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 and one's over the Atlantic. Um, one's over, one goes a lot over the United States. I, I don't. There's not a lot of great options. Some of the things that one of the like they call it the Pacific Hail Mary, where he flies <laughs> over the Pacific, right? Uh, but that that could involve him flying you over Washington State. You know what? You know what? They're forgetting about the obvious thing that they could do here. What's that? They put him on a boat, man. <laughs> that seems more dangerous, Chase. No, because on that, I mean, all they got to do is sneak him in on a boat. They'll never, he'll, they'll never know. So I think people should go check out this link in the show notes. Yeah, uh, and then make your bet on which direction Snowden will go. But it seems like on, in next week's episode, uh, we might, we ha- might have a Snowden on the run. Or my bet would be if he's going to do it. If you want to pull some, if you want to pull a fast one over the Obama administration and, and catch him off guard, you do it on the weekends. Seems like anything that happens on the weekends, it takes the Obama administration about forty-eight hours to respond to. So if Snowden jumps on a plane on say Saturday, I think you know that's his best shot. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're here next Wednesday and he's either been captured or he's made it. Just tune in to find out. What do you think? What do you think? I mean, it, we've made predictions already. So is he going to make it? I think he will. You do? Yeah, I I think he will. Really? I do, because there's so many options that people are so focused right now on air, and they thought he was on a plane, and he was checked in, but he didn't get in the seat. Do you think – some people think he's going to do the balls to the walls – you know, you just put it out there. You're proud. You fly. You say, "I am going. I am requesting asylum. I am a political refugee." You dare the United States to come ground you, and you fly over all the friendly locations. You take the direct route. You 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 fly that flag. And you know what? You need to have a pilot that has guts just to keep going. Or do you get like some super expensive three hundred? Uh, I was there's like these different planes that could that had enough fuel capacity to fly over the ocean, and the cost to run them is astronomical. Right, you know, and you'd have to have some sort of private, rich financer who wanted to lend a plane or rent a plane for Snowden, because uh, I don't think Venezuela has it. I I think he's going to make it. I really do. Do you I, think I, yeah. Moscow helps? Do you think Russia helps him get the hell out of there, or do you think I they think, stay hands I, off? I think they will. But we will know about it. Oh, like it'll no, be one of those fun. things. Well, no, I mean yeah. it's they're gonna sure they don't want him hanging out there in this transit area of the airport. You right. know, no, I he'll he'll get out of there. Yeah, I, think I, I he agree. Will. They want him out of there too. Well, uh, all of this, all of these Snowden things, all of these NSA leaks are looming over more talks with China. Now, these talks have been going on for a few years where we sit down with China and we talk about how upset we are. The nondescript building, <laughs> right? We talk about their nondescript <laughs> building. We talk yeah. about uh, you know uh, how. How they want to take a seat at the uh, world economies. I like how China China is the world's the second world the second largest economy. But we like we, we don't let them take a seat at the at the table of economy leaders. But after these talks, the goal is that maybe after these talks, we can all sit down and and sit at the leaders' table. And Vice President Joe Biden uh, kicked things off when he urged China to end its outright theft through hacking and improve human <laughs> rights. <laughs> Sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Yep, yep, wait, you're yep. talking about stop hacking. Joe's Joe's up there. Uh, uh, Joe, Joe. Play, we'll play a little Say setup. it ain't so, Joe. Snowden has also alleged that U.S. intelligence agents spied on China. That issue was in the background at joint talks in Washington on cybersecurity. U.S. and Chinese officials met ahead of annual talks on security and economic issues. The Obama administration has accused China of involvement in cyber attacks against the government and private companies. 
We're hopeful it will enable the two sides to share perspectives on international laws and norms in cyberspace, raise huh. concerns as needed, develop processes for future cooperation. Snowden says U.S. agents have monitored internet <laughs> traffic in China for years. They want to set up norms in cyberspace. Oh, norms man. in cyberspace. Now, li now, Jack Liu, our new Treasury Secretary, sat down with Fareed Zakara from um, CNN. Yep. And listen to the horse crap that comes out of this guy's mouth. It is a real thing of beauty. Um, we might have to break it down in a few spots. A lot of Americans look at China and they think this is a country that is in the phrase that is often used, stealing our jobs. What do you say to them? Look, there are things that are going on in China that are real problem. Uh, I've made this point. The president, more importantly, has made this point. Isn't it interesting that he used Obama's cadence to look? Look, I'm going to back this up. He says he does the look thing just like Obama does. What do you say to them? Look, there are you things see? that look. are going on in China look, you that realize are real stuff. problem. Uh, I've made this point. The president, more importantly, has made this point. Um, okay. <laughs> Their presidents um, made the point. You know, cyber theft of, um, of trade secrets is a real form of theft, and it's something that we've said has to stop. Um, the subsidies that are provided to businesses don't provide for a level playing field. They need to move towards uh, more market-determined uh, uh, open access and pricing unless unless um, it's about their banks then if it's about their banks uh you can subsidize that all you want oh that's nice you know uh, we are it's a it's a competitive world uh you know i remember when uh in the 1970s uh people were saying the united states you know was going to be slipping behind japan and you know now in the last number of years people have said the same thing with china i would just point out that coming out of the recession in 08 09 the economy that's emerged from the recession strongest is the U.S. economy. It's shown the durability of uh, our system, our economic system, and with all of its noise, our political system. Uh, we're not going to grow at 7, 8, 9, 10 percent like a developing economy can, but we've seen our economy emerge from the recession with a resilience and a strength that makes it clear that we remain the strongest uh, country and the largest economy in the world. Now, what, what metric do you suppose the uh, Treasury Secretary is using to say that our economy has emerged as one of the strongest after the recession? Uh, would what? it be maybe stock market? That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. He's yeah. going by the, by the stock market because yeah. the stock market is reaching new highs. Now, he, you know, the reason the stock market is reaching new highs, of course, is because they're hooked up to the drug money from the Federal Reserve, giving them a hit every single month of bond purchases mm -hmm. that is propping up the, the stock market. So the only metric that the Treasury Secretary can really say to point to this that shows how we're doing is CEO profits and the bogus numbers on Wall Street due to money printing. And yet I wonder if that isn't why we do it in the first place, not so much to line the pockets of Wall Street insiders, although that's obviously a reason, but if it's not just so that way we have a metric to point to the rest of the world and say, look, the United States is still the most successful economy in the world, so therefore we're the boss. Yeah. And, you know, to use that, does, we're well, number one. We're number one. Meanwhile, the income gap is is absolutely atrocious. Yeah. Uh, consumer debt is uh, astronomical. Student debt is is horrible. Um, people at in the in their thirties are um, employment rates are absolutely devastated. They're in the tanks, and we are we're propping up a bond market that could pop, that could blow, and then we could be in a serious situation. So this is this is a false argument he's making here to begin with, and I don't like it. 
No, no, it's one of those situations. Oh, sorry, no. my VLC, my VLC is a little slow. No, no, it was, it's one of those situations where he's obviously feeding the machine the propaganda here right, to make right. you feel warm and, and gooey inside. So now let's uh, let's listen to him as he spins how uh, China China's cyber attacking is way 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 worse than the U.S.'s cyber attacking, and of course, I'm sure he's got some really solid arguments. All we ask isn't what Snowden revealed very embarrassing for the U.S. government as it tries to get the Chinese to stop their cyber theft? Yeah, Fareed, I I think we have to just be very clear that what we're talking about with cyber theft is just different from any of the other cybersecurity issues that we've talked about. It's just different. Um, It is just a different kind of activity to be stealing uh, trade secrets and to be using them uh, to uh, gain advantage against a competitor. And we've raised this issue. I raised it when I was in Beijing a couple of months ago. The president raised it when he met with President Xi. And uh, it is just a very different issue. Uh, so you're saying if, they, if they're doing stuff in terms of national security uh, intelligence and we do it, that's a separate issue. This is about spying on companies for trade secrets. Look, I'm, 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 I think... I'm, I'm, I'm... Uh, 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 that's Obama, too. Uh, uh, boundaries. And I've had this conversation uh, a number of times uh, with my Chinese counterparts. Uh, we all face risks in the world. Uh, there are all kinds of reasons that governments uh, collect information uh, uh, on a variety of topics. It is not the accepted practice for uh, a country uh, to steal trade secrets from another country. There you go. Our Treasury Secretary right there said it's not accepted practice for a country to steal trade secrets from another country. Well, except for in the leaks that came out over the weekend citing documents that were leaked by Snowden. Uh, an American, the former American contractor, the uh, old Globo newspaper said that the NSA went far beyond just military interest when they were uh, looking at Brazil. In fact, they went in also in Venezuela and uh, looked at their oil uh, co- uh, companies. They went in and looked at a lot. They actually went in and looked at a lot of commercial company uh, hack. They had a lot of commercial hacking uh, to get information in what you might consider industrial espionage. Right. Um, and they specifically labeled Mexico as as uh, interested in the energy category and were and identifying energy targets for for monitoring and this was in a report that was dated february of 2013 so here we go <laughs> I'm, I'm shaking my head i know most people can't obviously see what i'm doing yeah, here. Is this, but I, this is just like so hypocritical yeah it is yeah uh especially when and here's the ironic thing right if if edward snowden's uh leaks didn't come public and he didn't tell the world about what was going on here Imagine how this wouldn't even be. I don't even think this would even be coming up. This wouldn't even be a part of the conversation. That's the ironic thing here. We wouldn't even know until he came. He came out with what he came out with, and now we're hearing all these stories. Do you think, Chris, that we would actually be hearing about these things? I doubt it. No, I mean this is why I think people who who uh, people who think that Snowden is a spy or something like that are are kind of just not really paying attention at this point because this stuff to me is. So there's been this big argument that um, the mainstream argument is that these uh, these kinds of things that are being revealed aren't really appropriate to reveal these things that uh, you know that uh, that Snowden it just thinks he's smarter than everybody else. What was he doing releasing these kind of stuff? He's hurting the U.S. Right? Um, and I think I think this clip actually sums it up really well when you look at 
What did Snowden do? Well, look at the response the United States government is taking to try to make Snowden the last cyber whistleblower. Meanwhile, CBS News has obtained a government video that warns intelligence officers about insider threats to our national security. Our senior correspondent, John Miller, is a former FBI assistant director. John, good morning. Good morning. Well, the intelligence community has been struggling with how to deal with the insider threat. Now, there's the old version, where an intelligence officer might become a spy for a foreign government. But what about this new version, young, tech-savvy intelligence officers who are stealing truckloads of secrets, they say, on principle? On principle? First, it was Bradley Manning, an Army private with a security clearance, who sent hundreds of thousands of sensitive documents to WikiLeaks. Now, Edward Snowden, an NSA IT contractor, has released documents detailing the agency's most secret programs. Is this the new espionage, the spy who believes for the good of his country, he must reveal its secrets? I think that the public is owed an explanation of the motivations behind the people who make these disclosures that are outside of the democratic model. What kind of sense of moral superiority does it take to feel like your moral judgment trumps the moral judgment of not one but two presidents, both houses of Congress, and bipartisan majorities in both houses of Congress, the American court system, and 35,000 of your co-workers at NSA. Retired General Michael Hayden headed both the NSA and the CIA. Decades of experience has given counterintelligence agents a profile of the insider threat, an employee dissatisfied at work with a tendency to believe they're underappreciated or under financial pressure. Profiles that would fit two of the insiders who did some of the most damage. CIA agent Aldrich Ames and FBI agent Robert Hansen both sold secrets to the Russians. They did it for the money. And I think at least in the case of Hansen, he did it because he just thought he was smarter than everyone else. CBS News has obtained this video, a joint project of the CIA and FBI. It was made to warn intelligence officers. I'm Special Agent McLean. This is Special Agent Kim. We're with WFO. We'd like to talk to each of you. Of what to look for if the threat to national security is the person sitting in the next cubicle. What just occurred to me, the number of times he would change his screen as I would walk into his office. These two most recent cases. It's a video to propagate. It's a video, and if you caught it, yeah. jointly created by the CIA and the FBI, isn't that wonderful? That is distributed, and you've all seen these instructional workplace videos. That's what this is. It's just a very high end one that we all just happen to pay for. Thanks, FBI, CIA, and it's it's it, it even has. Um, I think I linked into the show notes so you guys can watch it. I can't remember if I did or not, but it even has like the crime scene color filter. If if you've ever done color correction for editing, there's actually a. Uh, a filter setting called crime scene and it makes it look kind of bluish tinted they, they got all of it they, they went full out they got lighting mclean of course that go that references back to die hard i think right yeah uh so that's you're hearing clips from this video that is designed to make you suspicious of your coworker. this is private manning and, and mr snowden they're a bit different they're probably doing it for ideology and almost this romantic absolute commitment to transparency how do you screen against that? Very, very difficult. How do you monitor that? Very, very difficult. So the, the, the thing that Hayden is putting forward right there in that, in that statement is Snowden wants absolute transparency. What he's done here is because the government wasn't completely 100% transparent on what every single thing they were doing. And he will continue to try to make that argument in this clip. And I think that's the direction that they're now going to take 
the messaging as well. When we say transparency, we don't mean 100% transparent. We don't mean, uh, no, 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 just partial. Jack Johnson is a former Jeez. top official with Homeland Security. Your threats are going to change. They're going to change based on technology. They're going to change based on incidents, change based on legislation, change based on political events. You have to be able to meet that change. Manning and Snowden offer a bold new proposition, not one about smuggling a sheaf of documents out to sell to an enemy, but the ability to electronically steal hundreds of thousands of documents in a keystroke, and a belief that a government that keeps secrets is the enemy. What is new, that in this modern connected era, the trusted insider who betrays us is far more empowered to do damage far greater than these kinds of folks were able to do in the past. And so we just have to be even more vigilant. So, John, how are they going to be more vigilant? How do you ferret out? How do you prevent the future Edward Snowdens? Well, this is a sweeping program. It's more than just this video. It actually comes with electronic billboard ads in the areas where you've got intelligence facilities, classified government contracts being done by large private entities. By the way, this CBS uh, anchor why is does speaking. This, yeah, yeah. He is a former FBI agent. Why does this? <laughs> why does this feel like like Mother Russia? Like, isn't like, this crazy? It, this feels... digital display boards. If you see something, say something. Right. Yeah. Like, turn in your friends or the, your neighbors that are. Yeah. Feeling not so. It's good a comprehensive about... program. Oh my God. Um, promoting awareness, but there's also a, a security end of it where. They are tweaking and, in some cases, rebuilding the security systems in the government's computers so that if a Bradley Manning starts to exfiltrate hundreds of thousands of documents that aren't really in his area of study, that alarms will go off and that, and that th these things would be caught sooner. Snowden's a more special problem. He had wider access. Snowden was not a spy. Hanson and Ames were. I mean, is there a, is there a difference in terms of what they're looking for? You know, there's a vast difference in terms of the motivation, but the signs are largely the same, which is, you know, who's acting strangely at work, who seems to be leaving with stuff, um, who's in the system uh, taking out material that may not necessarily have to do with the stuff they work on. Can I quickly ask you about this new poll out this morning that shows 55% of American voters believe Edward Snowden Wait, stop. is a whistleblower Can you rather stop it than quick? a traitor. Did you catch that? Hmm. Did you hear the background? Oh, where he laughs? Here, I'll play it back. Yeah. Like, out material that yeah, may listen not carefully. have to do with the stuff they work on. Can I quickly ask you about this new poll out this morning that shows 55% of American voters believe Edward yeah. Snowden is a yeah, whistleblower? Yeah, he's like, he's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right, you're right. He is laughing, he's scoffing. He's scoffing at the poll. He's scoffing at the poll. All right, I want to play it though because I want to talk about it with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Material that may not necessarily have to do with the stuff they work on. Can I quickly ask you about this new poll out this morning that shows 55% of American voters believe Edward Snowden is a whistleblower rather than a traitor. It's an interesting poll. It's uh, evenly divided across political parties. It's, 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 um, it shows that there is a thematic battle going on, Nora. Uh, the government's narrative that, you know, he took an oath and he violated that oath and he broke the law. And the WikiLeaks narrative that Americans need to know what's happening behind their backs with their government. And that's a, that's a propaganda battle that's unfolding on both sides. Mm -hmm. Okay, John Miller. Thanks, John. So here's the pitch. So the pitch is that people like Snowden, and, and by extension people who support Snowden, yeah. they expect their government to be absolutely transparent as glass. Yep. Which is such a bullshit statement. Yeah, it Nobody is. Nobody expects yeah. government can operate completely transparently like that. Well, they can't. It, 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 it would be insecure. Right. 
but we expect that some things, when it comes to like things that violate our constitutional rights, that we all believe in, or we all should believe in, and you have there, there has to be this line where the people who are responsible for electing the representatives in government are aware of what those representatives are actually doing, so therefore we can make a decision if we want to continue to elect them or not. Yeah. So we have to have some level of information. And and as that, that, that information becomes more relevant to our actual lives in the United States, it becomes more important that we do know it. So it's not that we're suggesting every single bit of operations right. should be posted to some sort of yep. tumble blog that the United States government does, but when there are things like this, that kind of stuff needs to come out. And I think as the conversations that come up, the dialogues around it, that just proves that point. Well, we true. also expect that, yes, while there are things happening in secret, and we do expect those things to happen in secret, that our principles of what our country was founded upon right. yeah, there's that would, too, right? would not be violated in any way and would be not waived in any way. And hell, the president of the United States, when he's sworn in, he is sworn in to uphold that constitution. Mm-hmm. And when that is not occurring or when we believe it's not occurring or exemptions are being made to that fact, then that's just bull. That's just bull crap. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think it's really interesting to see how they're kind of spinning that. They're saying it's it's either the WikiLeaks philosophy where you want everything, right? Or right. Yeah, yeah, I, I just uh, it's it's a shame. It's a shame, Chase. All right. Well, uh, we got links to a lot of it, more information. If you guys want to do some further reading uh, and everything is tr- we, as much as possible, tried to be cited in yep. the show notes. So you guys can go find that. Chase, before we get out of here, why yes, don't we sir. do a couple of emails? Yes, we got a couple of great emails. Our first one. Uh, came in here from Travis. Travis writes in the following, titled Foreign Debt. Hey, guys, I've written to your show before on Hello. climate change, and now I'm writing from my professional perspective as an economist. Something I hear often in the media, including in episodes 56 of this show, is that the PRC holds – that's the People's Republic of China uh, – holds a significant amount of USA's foreign debt and thus has leverage over her. Where uh, does this notion come from? PRC government agencies hold 8% of USA's debt, with the next closest contenders being private Americans and Japanese agencies holding 6% of USA debt. China itself has federal debt of 15%. If you included state and local government, which we should, the figure rises to 55%, totaling 200% of GDP if you include private debt as well. Mm. And these figures are probably well understated, as I believe that the Chinese government statistics are very flawed. Being (laughs) scared of the PRC using American debt as a trump card is not logical when you look at the big picture. Hope you guys find these figures enlightening. I I really wish, I I know we've had other uh, writers do this. I would love to know where he's getting his sources from, Uh, you know, citing his sources, because I'd love to know, uh, because I'd love to read it for myself. Well, thanks, Travis, for yeah. the email. I, I it kind of does jive with other uh, emails that we have gotten that sort of say the same thing regarding China's actual position. And actually, every time that comes up on the show, there's also always usually somebody in the chat room that's yeah. you know saying that. Um, it's just it's one of these it's one of these things. that's really kind of hard as as for, at least for me to really understand how any of this actually works. Uh, and I think yeah. it kind of shows how, com- how how complex this thing is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it is really a meme that is out there quite a bit. Next one came in from Julius. Uh, dis- uh, the description, new law in Norway brought me to unfilter. Hey, I just want to say that I love your podcast. I found out about your show because of the new law that was passed in Norway that started on July 1st that allow 
to log two weeks of your network information if they suspect that you are pirating, <laughs> that they can give your info to the publishing companies. Oh, nice. So I was looking for an anonymous way to buy VPN and Usenet, so I thought of Bitcoin. About one year ago, I found out about Bitcoin, and I was actually thinking about buying some because I thought it would be an interesting and promising concept. But I found it too hard to buy and some, so I just put it aside and forgot about it because I didn't have the time. I regret that a bit now. Uh, So I found your show, Plan B, and then started to listen to your Linux show because I'm going to switch to Linux and going to take some time to learn, but I'm looking for something else since Windows uh, than Windows since Vista. (laughs) (laughs) Ding for you, sir. Yes. Then at last, I found Unfilter. I just love it. It fits me perfect uh, since I really haven't watched the news on TV or even just watched TV in years because they really don't send anything of importance. Uh. So if I wanted news, I had to search for it for myself on the web, and this podcast is perfect entertainment for when working my no-brainer electrician job. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, guys. Keep up the freaking good work. Sorry for my crappy writing not too good and it, it's my insomnia that doesn't help either i donated with bitcoins last week and can't wait for my supporters show and they did increase uh, include a link from torrent freak about that about new that law, law. Yeah. yeah isn't that interesting how that law getting passed caused him to research and go down a path that he never would have taken otherwise well yeah and that's the thing right like we've we've heard about this before even coming to like say movies for example let's say you have a $25 copy of Star Trek and you want to put it on your iPad right uh, and right. now I know they put include digital copies let's we'll talk about Star Trek old Star Trek let's say you had a little VHS copy all right well you have to break the law you have to circumvent copy protection to do something yeah. to legally back up your own stuff and it, it turns normal everyday people into criminals because the publishers think, oh, well, we need to prevent piracy, uh, so we need to make it very you know difficult. What, you, know what, you know what led me but to discover doesn't. the ability to automatically torrent TV shows? I don't do this anymore. But back in the day, uh, I uh, I bought an HD TV because Star Trek Enterprise was going to go HD oh, in the that's Seattle right. Area, I remember. Right? Yeah, yeah. And KTS-11 or KTSC-11, whatever, said we're going we're gonna to have uh, – that was UPN at the time. We're yeah. going to have HD. And then they never actually got it working. So I, so I, and I bought it. I bought a really expensive HD TV because I really, I really like Star Trek. Yeah. And so I bought oh, a lot of things. Out. I bought a lot of things in this world just because of Star Trek. Yeah. And so then, so then later I got Comcast because I wanted to get sci-fi in HD oh, and yep. they didn't have it. And I remember so that. Yeah. Both times when the TV companies failed me, I took to the web to find stuff in HD. And that was what, you know, that's what led me down that and path. It, and it's not like, you know, you wouldn't go and get it on your uh, own. If, you, if that provider provided it to you, you right. would be watching it. But but it's not happening that way. Oh man, what a week, eh? Big week, Chase. Big week. Yes. So uh, we got some voicemails we're going to play in the supporter show post show. So stick around if you're a supporter, and yeah. if you're not, go over the show notes and consider signing up. We could use your help. Yeah. How's that subreddit doing, Chase? Oh my God, it's going so well. Oh. We we have five hundred and forty eight beautiful people in the unfiltered subreddit, unfilter.reddit.com. Very nice. And I like to set a goal every single week. All right, what are you doing? My goal this week. 565. Jeez, that's crazy, Chase. I know. Five, all right, it's in the red book. I put all our predictions this week in the red book. I'm good. Really so good. 565, I'd love to see our unfiltered uh, readers count to get up to. All right, Mr. Chase. Well, if people wanted to follow you, maybe uh, catch some of your links, follow your various adventures, where would they go? Well, I did a change-up on you. I know. I apologize. No, no, I did another change-up oh. on you. Oh, oh. Uh, a lot of people may not know this. I'm doing an indie. I'm doing an Indiegogo project. Oh, tell me about this. Yeah, so uh, we're trying to hit uh, five thousand dollars to send Minecraft me to Minecon 2013. 
And if you want more information, we have a link in the show notes, ggtv.me slash minecon. Uh, This is a crowdsourcing effort. Uh, As you guys know, I'm jobless, an unrestricted free agent. And so we're trying to raise money to head to Florida to cover the Minecraft show. That's right. You guys do a good job. That'd be great. Now, where can people follow you on the interwebs? Twitter.com slash Chris LAS is a good way to get something at me in 140 characters or less. Probably the best chance of me seeing it. That's right awesome. There. That's great. Yep. You can also email the show unfilter at jupiterbroadcasting.com or pop that contact link at the top of the show notes or even better, call us 1425-312-1756 and show, join up next show up next week and call us live during the show. Yeah, next week I'm going to be uh, a board operator. I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be switching up the gears and uh, can't wait to talk to you guys. So make sure you tune in. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Unfilter. We'll see you right back here next, next week. week.